Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why are we having Thanksgiving dinner on top of the Titantron? Oh, no reason. Be right back. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It is the 1st of June, the year of our Lord 2000. Billy Piper's Day and Night, a song I had forgotten all about until Googling for this, is number one in the UK charts. That's all of the day. All of the night, yeah. You do the things, things. that make me <laughs> feel so <laughs> light. Speaking of tunes, Gladiator is still number one of the fourth week of the row. Thank you, Kurt Angle. Check us in the post. Bomberman 64, the second attack, is the release of the week. Anyone care about 64-bit Bomberman? No, fair enough. Oh, Bomberman. Well, it was still better than Bomberman Zero. Remember that? When Xbox said, we're going to make Bomberman edgy. And it turned out they made... Well, edgy, they meant crap. And here we are. Yeah, it was the naked Midian of Bomberman. (laughs) Of Bomberman. (laughs) Bomberman. Johnny Vaughan confirms he will step down as co-presenter of The Big Breakfast in early 2001. Thought you'd react to that. And finally, Tony Blair receives a hostile reception during a speech at the Women's Institute, where he is heckled and slow hand clapped by furious members like Roman Reigns, the raw after pinning Undertaker at WrestleMania. <laughs> what he told me that Tony Tony Blair walked into the Women's Institute and went, This is my yard now. <laughs> yeah, and they very politely and Britishly clapped him off. <laughs> But never mind the outside world. What was happening in the inside world in the year of our Lord 2000 with that crazy little wrestling company known as the WWF? And is that Undertaker guy still around? Well, the answers to most of those questions can be found on this very podcast you're listening to right now on your handset, your phone, your car, your your didgeridoo, your novel E fish that sings when you press the little button on the wall. However it is you are listening to the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review, you still get the wonderful dulcet tones of Matthew, the guy you're listening to now, and of course, the man who completes me, Mr. Tom Campbell. How the hell are you? You complete me. I am good, thank you, my friend. A special Thursday-flavoured Smackdown review. This is going up on Thursday as opposed to Tuesday. Back to normal from next week. So fret not, me amigo. 
Uh, it's all fine. A few people did go, Steph, the podcast isn't working because it's Tuesday and it's not here. So I had to reassure them everything was fine. It's a joyous week this week at Cultaholic because to break away from us talking about wrestling from the year of our Lord 2000, it is the, the week that Ross returns to us. And Ross has been back on WTF Moments for uh, a few days now. And I am sure, as you, Matthew, are delighted to have our boy Ross back. Ooh, his poo- No, look, I can't <laughs> even joke. I mean, it's we've all missed him. It's tremendous to see him back. And it's great that, you know, absence has only made the heart grow fonder. You know, Twitter's been full of it. The uh, YouTube comments have been full of it. The Twitch streams have been full of it. Where's Ross? Where is the Ross? When is the Ross coming back? And now he's back and everyone can rejoice. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Or if you're Ted Turner, absinthe makes the heart Jane Vonder. Wow. Thanks very much. Literally Ted Turner? <laughs> does he own a wrestling company? Oh, he might do. That might be the connection. So in a minute. So if this is your first time with us, hi, we're Tom and Maff, and this is where we watch every single episode of SmackDown from its very beginning to either our or the show's bitter end. We are just over a week and a bit removed from Judgment Day 2000. We are on the road to King of the Ring 2000. So we're going to check in very shortly and Maff is going to guide us through this week's episode of what was then Thursday night smackdown but before we do we like to take a look at the the wrestling landscape in this particular week with some help from the wrestling observer the brian pillman memorial show has taken place since we were last together uh, more than two thousand, according to dave Meltzer, the wrestling observer largely appreciative fans which is a passag statement if i ever heard it He said it was a very strange atmosphere at times. There were independent and developmental talent trying to show off. And there were veterans from big companies who were giving up their days off midweek with a road schedule arduous enough to begin with to be part of the show. Um, The show raised $36,000 plus for the family of the late great Brian Pillman. And it may even be higher than that because Kevin Nash, David Arquette and DDP were going to make donations as well. Uh, There was uh, a a couple of standout moments from that, namely the donations that I mentioned just there. Kevin Nash offered $20,000 to the Pillman family if Missy Hyatt stripped down to her bra and pants in in front of a largely family audience. Because wrestling in 2000. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page also tried to raise money by having a bidding war, uh, by having bidding for taking a dress from local valet Helena Heavenly. So I'm glad that DDP and Nash turned up to be colossal perverts in the name of charity. A big noteworthy thing from this show, away from the the bids and stuff and the, the money raised, is the resurgence of a name from wrestling in the 90s. Do you know who had a bit of a return to form here, Matthew? I certainly do. It's uh, Wee Willie himself, Mr. Regal. William Regal took on Chris Benoit uh, at the top of this show, and it was a match... William Regal, by this point, had been through some tough times in his personal life. He'd had... He'd been dealing with substance abuse and, and addiction, and he wasn't in a great way. And he disappeared from the scene. This was a coming back. Uh, this was this was the return of William Regal here. He and Chris Benoit put on a wrestling clinic that put the WWF eyes back 
on to Mr. Regal. We'll see where this goes. But that was from the Brian Pillman show. Always an interesting setup for that one. Um, Tammy Sitch in WCW has been taken off Monday Night Show following an incident backstage before a show. Sitch always has some problems in WCW, didn't she, Murph? She sadly did. Uh, definitely substance abuse issues, if I remember correctly. And it's a shame because her and Candido, Candido cruelly shoved into the cruiserweight division of WCW at this point. However, he was very entertaining during this period because he was basically just a diddler. <laughs> a very entertaining one at that compared to the likes of the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea and Evan Carreras. It was before this particular episode of Nitro that two of the other women working on the show found syringes in a restroom adjacent to the women's locker room, along with a vial of uh, Nubane, a painkilling drug that in recent years has become popular with wrestlers. There was a bit of an issue with addiction to this in ECW dressing rooms several months back, and all the fingers pointed to Tammy Sitch. She was supposed to be doing a cat fight spot with Miss Hancock on the show to set up for a tag match between Chris and Tammy and David and Miss Hancock. But... Uh, after the syringes were found and Tammy Sitch was, was discovered to be the, the person who put them there, she was pulled from the show and ordered to take a drug test the next day. So not a nice scene right now for Tammy Sitch in WCW. It's just one of many problems she'll have. No, you're completely right. Uh, the only positive thing I can say about this is she's still alive to this day. Certainly is, certainly is. Ask JR, she's on OnlyFans and everything. Um, Sabu and the Dirt Bike Kid, along with Dan oh Severin and Michael God. Kovac, are headlining an FWA show in Halifax, West Yorkshire soon. <laughs> this rings a bell with you, Mav? Yeah, this was heavily hyped in the old World of Wrestling magazine back in the day. It's lovely pictorials and photos and just the spread detailing all the cool stuff and made it sound like... I think the thing that the... The article started with this, British wrestling is back, which I think every every company that popped up the next five or six or maybe even ten years had that same, like, guess what, guys? It's back! And all these people have been running these, like, crappy little events in, in you know, uh, leisure centres throughout the 90s and early 2000s ago, and, oh, I didn't it left me. <laughs> um, yes, this was, what was it, FWA? No limits, no no remorse. No refunds. I forget what it was called, but it was something like that. Yeah, I've got the VHS release of that. It's a, well, it's got, a humdinger. I've, I've got the um, the it's actually the details about it on the on the cage on cagematch.net. There oh, yeah, are details yeah. all about it. Uh, the show in question from Halifax in two thousand six. As we say, pro wrestling is back. It is FWA, and let me find it here. The show is called. Where are we? Um, FWA evil intentions about to explode. Oh god. <laughs> oh. I mean, both Sab Sabu and the Dirt Bike Kid made it to the show. <laughs> Which would see the XPW heavyweight title and the EWA European Junior Heavyweight title uh, both on the line in the main event. Uh, other matches from that show, let's have a look at who else made the cut. Uh, Paul Travell and Mark Sloan in a contract on a pole top contenders match. So not only do you get a contract, you become the top contender. Um, Justin Richards putting the British heavyweight title on the line. That's a name I haven't heard in ages. Ages. Uh, the Flatliner was on the show. Bit of a an old school wrestling legend if you did the circuit in 
the late 90s, early noughties, the Flatliner was part of a special £1,000 challenge match. Uh, also, the Dominator was on the show. Everyone's favourite wrestling podcast. Actually, is Stiff Right Hand still a thing? The podcast he does? I haven't heard it in a while. Um, but I don't was... know what you're talking about. Are you not, oh, you're not familiar with Stiff Right Hand by the Dominator? <laughs> I've had a few Stiff Right Hands in my day, mate, but none of them involved hey! Uh, yeah, the Dominated uh, was doing a podcast uh, with his wife Scarlett. I don't know whether it's still on, uh, but he was defending the EWW title at like that. It's it's a weird ew. state of affairs. Yeah, EW. Every time I see signs for EWW, I just think ew. You've called your company ew. Um, weird state of affairs for British wrestling in two thousand. Yeah, I've got to interrupt though. I have got Paul Ash, who had the three way dance with Enigma and Curve on my Facebook. Uh, he's a nice guy. He collects Transformers. But he's most known for at this point. Um, they did the FWA Ring of Honor uh, double team in 2003, I want to say. And he's the guy who completely flubbed uh, a Van Terminator. And this went head over tit. Oh, and I think that's. But on the plus side, it could be worse. People could be looking at FWA evil intentions about to explode on the award winning FWA network or whatever. <laughs> God. Yeah, tough. Tough journey for British wrestling. It's uh, it's got a long way to go. And that might be one of the say, last times Dirt Bike Kid wrestled as well. Was it really? Was that at the end of his time? I think, according to Cage Match, he didn't have any other matches uh, afterwards. He's a fascinating bloke. He's very quiet as well. He made an appearance, uh, like in the crowd, talking to people, or maybe backstage, at an ICW show a few years ago, but... He hasn't done like the shoot interview with Dirt by a kid or out like that. He seems to just left. And all that's left is these matches with Sabu he had when he brought them in in 98 and 96 in the UK and getting choked out and throttled by the great Sasuke. Blimey. I did Good not times. know that. Maybe there's, a st- maybe, there's a, maybe there's a podcast in talking to him. I feel like he'll have Dude, if stories. you can get him, please let me know. Oh, you'll be there with me. Mate. You'll be there with me. Um, away from British wrestling, let's go back to this side of the pond for the, the the other side of the pond for this final bit. Todd Pettingill on his New York radio show said he will be returning to the WWF to host Livewire. What? So a, a rumor about Todd oh. Pettingill returning to the WWF started by Todd Pettingill. <laughs> this obviously would not transpire, but wow, mm. some 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 bowels on him. To publicly announce he's returning, knowing full well, you know, looking back, that he didn't actually return for another 20 years. Yes, in a heavily ironic way. Like, <laughs> the idea of Tom Pettingill returning here. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a weird time. I mean, we talk about him a lot on the classic Raw review. I do, bet you do. We, we certainly do. And he's very hit or miss. Very hit or miss. And... The fact that the WWF in twenty it will take them twenty years for them to go. All right, let him do his thing again, <laughs> and, and as you say, in a very ironic way, it was uh, quite the scenes. But yeah, so that's the wrestling news for this week. That's what's happening in the wrestling world right about now. Let's head over to Matthew to talk us through this episode of SmackDown. Exactly. I mean, what better segue than Todd Pettengill will return to wrestling twenty years later than ironically returning to wrestling that happened twenty years earlier. <sighs> the dramatic raw recap starts and Vince says what we have here is two individuals with two mutual enemies which is the rock and undertaker 
both men want Triple H's title. So they face off on Raw in a lumberjack match. That, surprise, surprise, goes the same way as all of them have done this year and ends the same as them with DX laying both men out. But wait, here comes Kane to clean house and I have typed clean with a K. But after laying Triple H out, Kane holds up Triple H's title, which is a nice scene because he's usually too busy with X-Pac or cooking for Linda to actually bother to go for the world title. So that's the setup for this week's episode but first a word from our sponsors witty wee witty woo witty wee witty woo <laughs> thank you very much we're in the tacoma dome in the specific northwest no me neither but according to wikipedia this was the scene for spring stampede 99 which was arguably the last truly great wcw pay-per-view and then later on WWE's stomping ground on 2019 eh can't win them all i guess and we start with the brand new Tag Team Champions Too Cool, having defeated Edge and Christian on Monday Night Raw, with thanks to Joe C. Yes, Kid Rock's Joe C, that, that little one. And I think this is their only tag title reign, and it's very deserved because they're white hot, meaning they're hot and they're white, and they're defending <laughs> against the Hardys, and the pace is quicker than Kevin Dunn's edit finger. But more importantly than the double teams both men are giving each other, Lita is shown watching the match backstage. Hmm. This is, of course, after the Hardy Boys saved her from a brutal beatdown from S.E. Rios, who I don't know what he would have done, to be honest with you, if they'd left her. Maybe he would have delivered moonsault after moonsault and then probably missed the third one. But anyway, fast, big, bumping action in shoes with the highlight being sexy, getting ready to powerbomb Matt, backdropping Jeff, who ran towards him, and then bombing Matt anyway. Crowd really enjoyed that. The worm hits on Jeff, and that is very over, but Matt counters to a twist of fate. Jeff lands a swanton bomb. One, two, and kaboom. That's gotta be Kane. Oh, no, so that's how we do it. <laughs> that's show, gotta so. be Kane. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Kane is here, and he still has the WWF world title. I found and this, he... Linda. Oh, Kane. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> I went to Vegas and woke up after a night out. I'm not the world champion. <laughs> no, no. In the spirit of that's got to be Kane, what's going to happen is, is that Kane will be in a room on his own and like somebody will run in with Triple H's WWF title going, hey, I stole this. I stole this. Suddenly he'll have a heart attack and the guy will, the guy will collapse. So Kane will go over, pick up the championship as he's checking on him. And that's when Triple H walks in and goes, Kane, you stole my belt. It's like, no, no, he did. I was just holding it for him. That's got to be Kane. Hey, welcome back to Adrian. Hello, I have a world title. Is this anybody's? <laughs> but Triple H should be too far away. You'll just see a king going, go, that bastard stole me belt. <laughs> He's shorty. Or better yet, Kane rings him. Kane rings him, but the line's bad. So all Triple H is, is hello, Chip. I've got your championship. <laughs> Not giving it back <laughs> what <laughs> that's, that's just Kane talking Kane. <laughs> right, Kane talks but he doesn't do the thing that I do every time I do an impression it's just it's just him speaking trying to sound scary he's alright now because as we all know yeah. permanently damaged larynx they heal over time 
Exactly, especially if you eat some of the supplements that SmackDown is sponsored by. <laughs> so, if you want the belt, you can come and take it. That's, that's how he speaks now. Triple H shows up and the crowd is so damn loud booing him and chatting asshole that Triple H has to wait. And I love that. Triple H tries to explain to Kane that he is the champion and to be the champion you have to beat him. Kane hasn't beaten him, so he's not the champion, okay? He's just very condescending. And then Kane replies with, No, uh... So, <laughs> and Triple H buys a Japanese I was gonna say, He's like, Tom told me this great joke. <laughs> Triple H says his beautiful wife just had a great idea. Hey, why doesn't Triple H give Kane something for his title back? It could be a trade. And Kane says, a title match. <laughs> Triple H says, damn it, you're clever. What it would not have been funnier if Kane had gone Panini stickers. <laughs> Stacker <laughs> two <laughs> Pogs <laughs> RC Maximum Pro uh, oh, fuck it, just give me some lugs. <laughs> I would like give me some lugs. Yeah, sure. All the cool people are wearing lugs. Here, have a pair. Thank you. Here is your belt back. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kane, you asked for it. You want the big deal. I have a copy of Bomberman 64 2, the second. No. Oh. You tried this shit with me the other week with Daikatana. If you had the Mega Drive version of Mega Bomberman, <laughs> I would have taken it. Or even the Super Nintendo version, because that has four player. <laughs> if you had the SNES version. I'd have snatched your hand off. <laughs> if you've given me this SNES version, I would have said, oh, that's super. <laughs> what if he says, let me call the banker? <laughs> <laughs> no deal. <laughs> that's Triple H strong. says, that's a very smart thing you just said, Kane. Um, <laughs> Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But smart, Triple H says Kane doesn't deserve a title match. But what the hell, he'll give a match tonight without the title on the line. And if Kane beats Triple H, he'll make him number one contender and then get a title shot at King of the Ring. Okay? Now give me back my bleeping belt. <laughs> Triple H rants at him, but Kane says, Enjoy it while you can. You may be that damn good, but I am that Damn bad. Kaboom. Uh, I, I was all right with Kane. I think and... he's doing himself a great disservice. Okay, he can't take a pedigree that well, but he's not bad. <laughs> he's quite good. <laughs> See, I prefer either that uh, or mute version of a Kane having to do like catchphrases like that. It seems very forced. And he seems to have a lot to say. I feel like if he, was, if he yeah. just kept it really short, like if he just said that last bit, I guess fine. But it's just, I guess they're trying to find a, some new layers to Kane, aren't they? They try to peel a Kane like an onion, find some new layers for him. Um, Absolutely. And it's fine. And it's like, it's like at this point, as a, as a fan, I remember watching this episode of SmackDown thinking, I'll get in. Kane, Triple H at King of the Ring. It's different. I like it. Obviously, it's kind of not what we get, but we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go. Yeah. Uh, I think if they were going to have Kane talk, 
in the show how much pain he's in. He just gives like the smallest answers possible. So Triple H is like, "What do you want, Kane?" And Kane's like, "Belt." <laughs> uh, all right. Well, how do you want belt? Belt. <laughs> all right, Kane. I don't <laughs> belt. <laughs> Bomberman '64. Um, <laughs> backstage, the McMahon. Oh, any thoughts on Two Cool's title win? Oh yeah, um, great start to the show. Great fast-paced opener. Um, I like Too Cool being tag champs. I think they are like the hottest tag team in the company at the moment. Obviously, on the babyface side of things, so definitely give them the belts. I don't. I don't remember this being a long run with the titles, but uh, I was happy with the with them being champs for the time being. And them and the Hardys had a really good match. I remember like back in like let me think when this would have been sort of night early night late 99 this match probably wouldn't have meant as much but this felt like two top babyface teams going at it here and i thought it was a great way to start this week yeah exactly backstage the mcmahon's trying to exit a limo but that damn underbiker mm. is there driving around the parking lot and scaring cars undy stops and cuts a promo on vince about how he wants a title shot all while vince is sticking out of a limo <laughs> like you know Half past, what's it? What's the expression? Half Sticking past. out like, oh no, it's a southern thing where it's like, like you're standing there like half past twelve or whatever. Sticking out. Oh damn it! So somebody will probably tweet this me days later. I'm gonna go. What the hell are you talking about? Anyway, the man Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> Vince says Undertaker has to beat X Pac and Road Dog tonight to get a title shot at King of the Ring, and then Undertaker revs off and kills the audio. Vroom, 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 so Vince, vroom. That's how it sounded. Uh, and then this segues into backstage again. Triple H and Vince both tell each other about their great ideas. <laughs> but wait, they have possibly two new one contenders? Uh-oh. Spaghettios. Yeah, and then Shane arrives with... <laughs> Linda. And then Shane arrives with Edge and Christian, and he's mad. I don't know why he's mad, he's just mad. So he makes it Rock versus Edge and Christian tonight. And if The Rock wins, then The Rock is number one contender. Tom, <laughs> there can't be three number one contenders. I'm going to go there? to three Christmas dinners at different houses. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever will we do? Uh, that's that's got to be diddly. That's got to be shit. Um, <laughs> this is a, uh, oh, they call the diddler there, I'm sorry. It's a bit, it's right, mate. It's a bit contrived. <laughs> It. It's fine though. I just, it's that whole bumbling McMahon Helmsley faction thing again, where like, oh, I booked this. Well, I booked this. Uh, and uh, we know where it leads to. So I, what I tell you what I like, I'll tell you what I like about this is the fact that it feels like for the first time in a while, SmackDown doesn't feel like sort of a B show. Because here they're making the main event for King of the Ring and they're doing it on SmackDown. Which I really like. Like they're putting this together on SmackDown. I feel like it's getting a lot of extra special love this week. Uh, always nice to see Undertaker twatting about on his bike backstage. That's kind of his yeah. thing at the moment. And uh, yeah, I'm all right with it. It's 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 stuff that's happening, which is nice. Yeah, well said. And it, even if it's funny seeing Vince half out of the limo going, "Oh yeah, well tonight you." <laughs> it's a funny yeah, image. image. Yeah. Anyway, here's Kurt Angle to smooth that SmackDown headache. Kurt knows this place is bad because Kurt has been unable to get the IC title shot. Oh, I've actually managed to 
type bard instead of sad there. That's fantastic. <laughs> Matthew was fantastic. I was a born stronographer. This place is actually sad because Kurt has been unable to get the icy title shot. And even though this place is used to failing at their dreams, Kurt's a winner. So Kurt instead vows to wing King of the Ring later on. So he doesn't even bother finding out his opponents tonight. He doesn't care because it doesn't matter. He's still going to give them an Olympic lesson. <gasps> it's Bradshaw. And even worse than that, it's Bradshaw without Farouk or jokes. Oh, no. <laughs> Just wrestling, Bradshaw. Oh, oh God. Fantastic. It's like when you clean the grill for the hot dog maker and all you left was a wiener. Bradshaw brawlingly brawls with Kurt because he can't wrestle amateur style, no matter how well Finn Martin describes it. Oh, that was an alright joke there, so I thought I'd pose, and it turns out it was a crap joke. <laughs> until Kurt gets his foot on the ropes after a close line from hell. It took me a second to get it. So. <laughs> it would have helped if it was typed nicer, and, you know, delivered better. Uh, and then he pins Bradshaw after Olympic Slam. But Bradshaw is a bad loser, Finn Martin adds, and a worse world champion. And power bombs Kurt. <laughs> Why have we got a hard on for Finn Martin here, of all people? I wrote this a week ago. Sorry. <laughs> Why? We, yeah, there's a lot of love for, for Finley this week. <laughs> have you been writing? Have you been reading Power Slam again? My name is Finley, and I love to complain about Mick Foley saying he was going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Finley, and I hate wrestling. Here's my wrestling magazine. <laughs> <laughs> he did hate wrestling. Towards the end, he absolutely oh, hated it. It's all just... good getting nostalgic about the glory days of Power Slam, but the last few years were like pages one to forty. This is crap. Pages forty-one. <laughs> I, can you subscribe? Like, I, I wasn't even that marky a mark at this point, but I was still very aware of like he's this man's really angry with everything. This man doesn't like a lot of things in wrestling. <laughs> But this was nice. This was uh, this was fine for what it was. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you embraced it, Matthew, because we aren't going to talk about Kurt Angle versus Bradshaw one on one for five years now. Because the next time they go one on one, they headline SmackDown in a WWE title match. And if I was to tell you this at this moment in time in the year of our lord 2000 you would be forgiven for assuming that kurt angle would go into that match as wwe champion no oh no the world turns in some quite dramatic fashion between now and 2005 who would have seen that coming wrestling's just the weirdest thing i mean if it was a proper tv show you just throw the thing over who wrote this some of the worst writing I've ever seen, and I've seen Simpsons season 23. I have to say, though, I do love Lawler's joke about parallel bars. That was funny. When when uh, they were talking oh, about the Olympics, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and Jerry Lawler said, Bradshaw was interested in the Olympics until he realised what the parallel bars actually were, and then he left. I was like, that's great. That's a funny line from Lawler. It's the, it's the peak of my Lawler enjoyment this week. It takes a dramatic nosedive later on. Oh, yes. Christ, I, I just remembered what you're talking about. Anyway, backstage, Shane McMahon walks into the Helmsy McMahon war room and does the what did I do thing like he's <laughs> McNulty in The Wire. That's gotta be Shane. <laughs> oh no, I can't have Linda's Thanksgiving dinner and hit picture with the elbow. <laughs> I'll do both at the Wait, same time. Linda's like, why are we having... 
Why are we having Thanksgiving dinner on top of the Titan Tron? Oh, no reason. Be right back. You! Someone at the door! Shane jumps, <laughs> Shane jumps down with a plate full of turkey. <laughs> oh, you. Anyway, it doesn't matter because his house yeah. is getting raided. Exactly. And let's, so let's move on to happier things. Like Chris Benoit as Intercontinental Champion. Oh, no. And he's challenging against the almost forgotten D'Lo Brown. And oh, D'Lo gets a much bigger pop than Benoit. Just want to point that out. D'Lo hangs with Chris and after landing a calf kick, yells, what's up with that? Second rope, Moonsault gets two and looks lovely. D'Lo does not have the ugh work rate of Benoit. Uh, Japanese style, but he's much, much better at getting the crowd invested in the match with his facials and yelling, something that Benoit wasn't really able to, even when he was world champion. And Dilo was able to dodge the diving headbutt, but then Benoit beautifully counters the sky high into a cross face to tap out to retain. I very much enjoyed this match, it was a nice surprise. I felt it was very symbolic of the year 2000 guys versus the year 99 Russo guys being uh, eshed away and thinned out and replacing, being replaced by guys like Benoit and Jericho, Malenko, etc. What did you think, Tom? I loved it. This was an excellent match. Benoit and D'Lo just had beautiful chemistry here. They really did. And the finish was, oh, you can't see it because it is a podcast, but I am doing the chef's kiss. The chef's kiss. Because the sky, D'Lo going for the sky high and Benoit turning it into the crossface was sublime. And I, I can't remember entirely if this is how it goes, but I do hope the rest of Benoit's icy title reign is him on the back foot, but then him countering their finish into the crossface. I want that from a million different places. Like, I love a finisher that's that versatile, that can just be popped out anywhere. It's great. So I loved, I really, really liked this match. This was, and it felt like very much like the, the, the old versus the new. You mentioned like how it was one of Russo's guys versus, you know, one of the WCW guys. It did feel like a, a, a generational thing. And it just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It just makes me sad because D'Lo Brown was so good. Like Benoit's great. D'Lo, D'Lo ain't no shrinking violet. He's ever so good. And it just feels like he was such a, a lost prospect. Possibly, I feel like if the world had turned in a different way, obviously the stuff with Draws, I think, put paid to a lot of his momentum and, and that being as it was. D'Lo was so good. Like, he could have been a guy you could have found. You could have made D'Lo a top guy. I genuinely believe that. I think because I was listening to a lot of uh, something to wrestle with, Bruce told a story that I wasn't familiar with. And I think I brought it up before and I was expecting to see something coming of it in the um, Observer updates, but... It was late 99, allegedly, 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 D'Lo went, F it, I'm going to WCW, I've had enough of this, and was quite loud and boisterous about this. And because Russo was a D'Lo Brown guy, Russo's in WCW, hey, Jeff Jarrett got a big fat contract, why not D'Lo? And apparently, then D'Lo had to look at his contract and go, oh, I've got like another eight months left. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, and I'd like begrudgingly come in. It must be like that episode of Seinfeld where Constanza quits and then comes into work the next day. It's like, didn't, didn't you quit? Because what? No. No, I don't even talk about No. Did I quit? No, 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 no. You must be thinking of somebody else, you know. And I think I can't help but feel that there was some 
grudging resentment in some members of management there for someone doing something so, uh, so what's the word for here? So dramatic, so loud, and having to come back with his tail between his legs, going, "Ah, oh, you want to push, do you?" Okay. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame that it went the way it did. I get Dilo's frustration because Dilo obviously wanted to do more, and uh, but hey, look, this was great in a bubble. This was a great match. Certainly, and let's face facts. If Dilo Brown had gone to WCW in two thousand, even though we'd be chatting Dilo, Dilo, it would have been the same crap. <laughs> oh no, Dilo Brown with blood splattered all over him. Oh no, Dilo losing to FUNB Hulk Hogan, losing his real name was Terry Balea. You know, it's like who are we kidding? <laughs> anyway, never mind that. The WWF Stack of the Week brought to you by Stacker Two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Do you want a fun fact about Stacker 2? Yeah, please, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, this this is about six years after this uh, this episode of SmackDown, but you know 5-Hour Energy, the 5-Hour mm -hmm. the, the Energy drink? I think TNA was sponsored by them for a while. Like, hey, our show is really fast. Drink this, <laughs> you <laughs> bastards. Um, <laughs> so 5-Hour so Energy was was a was a, a, a energy drink that was around in 2006 stacker two when get this you buggers buy our new six hour energy <laughs> oh. to which five hour energy went no no that's not happening and it ended up with stacker two losing 22 million dollars in a lawsuit because oh. they went, oh, it depends. Six hour. Nah, that's copyright. Come on. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, oh. you know, I wonder why someone would just do like five hours and 20 minutes or something <laughs> just to shove on and see if someone's timing it. Yeah, they must have had that copyrighted. That's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a fun story about Stacker 2. So it's an energy thing. It burns fat quicker than most. And it can make these women cleaning the car on the advert for Stacker 2. Love you. <laughs> I yeah, they'll they'll clean that car really quickly and then have heart palpitations the rest of the day. <laughs> Come get heart palpitations with us here at the WWF with Stacker 2. Uh, have you ever tried one of those five hour energies? Do you know what? I haven't because I have I suffer heart palpitations at the best uh. of times. So I I haven't had an energy drink since I think 2007. And I feel like if I have an energy drink, I might die. <laughs> so I just I err on the side of caution and go. I don't like Red Bull enough to to risk the end the edge of my life, you know. So mm. I, I I try and sort of control my coffee intake and I don't touch energy drinks because I feel like it might make my heart burst out of my chest. That's a very sensible thing, Tom. I was heavily addicted to these things. Oh, Turns really? out caffeine is monstrously addictive. Not five-hour energy, but like it was just the culture when I was at uni, those six or nine. And, you know, and I would feel miserable the first half of the day until I would have one of those things. And it was the full sugar ones because the sugar-free ones were crap back then. I'd get one of them. And it would almost be... You know, the, the sensation, I could almost be like, obviously not, I'm saying comparable to, um, you know, being addicted to like a drug. Because I'm like, oh, God, I have to, I'm, I've been up at seven. Because I'd always say you have to have one like at midday because getting up and having one was bad. But being miserable and having a headache the first half of the day and then having one at midday was like, that was completely normal, Tom. This is oh. normal adult behavior. I am a good student. 
And I'm so glad that I'm not like that anymore. It was a bitch getting off them. So um, what did you? Yeah. So when you what was the, what was the decision that made you? What was it that made you go? That's it. I can't drink these anymore. I forget the exact moment. There wasn't like a penny dropping. I was at the at that point. I was drinking them. No, I know what it would be. I was I, I was drinking them out of boredom almost, and I just went right. I have to stop this. Because when I would go to bed, even if I had one like midday, and I go to bed at like twelve hours later, I'd be lying there, the body is still not moving, trying to get to sleep, and meanwhile, my heart is doing the Guinness Shark advert, bomb, 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 bomb. I'm like, so it tells me that that isn't particularly healthy. So, but on a funny note, this is sorry, this is like sounding like really sad. The funny note was one time at Magfest, I think it was the first or second time I went five hour energy uh sent some blokey and they're like hey can we sell these and they went no you, you can't just sell them at the doing a random bit of the hotel you have to like apply for the um the vendor license and everything that was months ago oh okay well we've got the stuff now sod it we'll just give them away and that was a bad thing to do with a hotel filled with nerds because nerds went after years of playing Fallout and all these other games, hmm, five-hour energy. So if I take five five-hour energies, that's 25 hours of energy. Great, I can go for a solid day. And then they would drink five five-hour energies and then not eat or drink anything. I then needed to go see a medic. Oh, uh, and at that point, five-hour energy apparently tried to go next year and Magfest went, no, there's nothing but necessarily wrong with your product, uh, but the audience does not cater for it. All these people be like, Bleh. <laughs> too busy having fun, no time to drink or eat. <laughs> so kids, if you're listening to this and if you say, that's not how they work at all, for the love of God, do not do this. No, there you go. <laughs> anyway, I feel we've got another rather serious track so let's move on to oh yeah the stack of the week Tyrion Cat do something <laughs> that was the stack of the week <laughs> apparently according to the next bit Terry and Cat have been having loads of issues and with that one clip of them doing one thing who are we to doubt WWF well it's the longest running feud in the company right now it must be it goes all the way back to <laughs> Wrestlemania oh yeah sure is that, that what they're does. referring to? I mean, I guess, but there's been no mention of it on SmackDown. So it's, it's just like, oh my god, isn't it? They just, you know, <laughs> just sprinkle a bit in here, sprinkle a bit in there. They just kept it on the old DL. A slow burner, like my heart, ten years ago. <laughs> on Stacker Two. Stacker Two. <laughs> Stacker harder. So they're finally having the match we've all been looking forward to: an arm wrestling contest, presented by, and I've typed this here, U Tree Lawler. <laughs> And that may seem a bit harsh at first, but wait. Normally, I would edit out quite a few bits of Jerry Lawler-based content from these podcasts, but this week, it is utterly deserved. I've written here, arm wrestling contest, contest overseen by massive lech and colossal sex pest Jerry Lawler. He and why, why makes you say that? He is so unpleasant here. And I feel embarrassed to watch this as a wrestling fan. Because the crowd's reaction does not suit the sheer horror that is occurring in the ring. 
Yes, if you've seen any arm wrestling contest in wrestling in the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years, uh, yes, this is it. There's a formula and it's successful, especially when Jerry Lawler is there to perv like that wolf in that film that Jim Carrey and the Mask is watching, where his eyes become hearts and his heart is becoming an erection and all the other stuff that's happening in this, 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 this walking metaphor for horniness that is Jerry Lawler. Because the Cat and Terry are dressed for this arm wrestling contest the same way that they dress, dress up for them in the Olympics, very tastefully dressed. And he's just nonstop innuendoing as they get ready to do the thing. They lock up. Oh, no, wait. Not ready. Lock up again. Oh, not ready. Uh, Terry eventually spits water into Kate. Kate. Bloody hell. No, that's a silent E. Cat's uh, eyes to win. So Cat nails the safest Bronco Buster in history's revenge. Jerry Lawler then sinks in the other corner and demands one from her too. Make my face the happiest place on earth, says Lawler. The crowd cheers. The cat leaves. What a pervert, says Cole. And I have typed here, PTC did nothing wrong. <laughs> Any particular highlights uh, from the book of Lawler here, Tom? Wow, this was... Uh... <laughs> it's just... It's just unpleasant. It's just unpleasant. It's Lawler just constantly ogling and in a one case groping the the contestants and yeah. the crowd just eating it up. Yeah, and get Michael Lawler. Cole going, Oh Jerry Lawler. Oh Hiding in plain sight, they call it. Hiding in plain sight as a pervert. Oh God. It is just, um, just, a, just, I just felt my skin crawling watching this, and I know there will be people listening to this going, Ugh, flipping, simping virtue signaler. No, shut up! Right? Here's the thing: twenty years ago, I this was this was the thing, and it was, and it's terrible that this was the thing twenty years ago. It's unforgivable that this was the thing twenty years ago. Terry coming out, and all Lawler saying is, bring on the puppies. And I'm thinking, oh, God, this is really where we were. This is horrible. People would go, oh, it was fine then. Yeah, it was. But we used to have cigarette adverts during cartoons. Doesn't make it all right now. It's it just, I found the whole thing awful. And it's it's embarrassing that this lives in the time capsule. I mean, you're right, Tom, in many ways. I'm going to be positive and look at, Instead of going, ooh, uh, Mrs., because who am I kidding? I was a horny little kid back then. I'll probably love this segment as much as Lola did. But now we can look at where we are with women dressing, the presentation of women in WWE, and go, get in. You know, look at how far we've come. And uh, I look, I think that is a victory. PTC did nothing wrong. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Undertaker and his enormous duster are walking backstage. If I don't know better, the people who own the arena are probably asking him if he can go through all the holes and save the cleaners the job. But more importantly, Road Dog and X-Park are in the ring doing their mic bit at the start. And finally, Tommy, you ready for this? Road Dog finally heals it up. Someone smartened him up. You're the baddies. Stop doing the New Age Outlaws thing and getting cheered. And he he does a bit of it and then stops and mixes it up and insults the crowd and goes, hey, we're going to bury The Undertaker tonight. And that's it. And crowd are like booing him because they're going to bury The Undertaker and that sucks for him because it'll ruin that duster. And also booing him because it's like, oh, you're not The New Age Outlaws, are you? You finally realise you're actually a bad one. Boo. And the only thing more hated than that is the horrible overdubbed entrance and also the blurred out kid rock advert for undertaker and god does it take away from the sight and sound of seeing undertaker with all this crap i'm very sorry for all the people watching this only on the network for the first time god it was cool seeing him came coming out to um an american badass watch radio edit and all the rest we're gonna just we're just gonna have to bite the we're just gonna have to bite this out and we just get used to this. Yeah. But I just wanna reassure people when he came back, he was cool. Like yeah. Lawler, he was cool. <laughs> He's aged well. Uh X Pac gets yeeted straight away while Undertaker is still in the big duster. And uh, nice crazy that X Pac still taking those bumps when he goes way over the top rope and basically is a tope con hello to absolutely nobody. Undertaker sells for two seconds. And then goes to take it apart both men like he's Steven Seagal in Hard to Kill. DX try to leave, but the duds show up to scare him. So the Stackers 2 size choke slam makes Undertaker the number one contender very easily. Devon Dudley comes into the ring to celebrate with Undertaker, but then Undertaker chokeslams him too. The Ginger Ninja strikes again. I'm beginning to I'm beginning to believe what um, Matt McMuscles was saying last week about how Undertaker is here as a a de facto Steve Austin. In the mm. absence of that sort of rebellious, don't trust anybody, blue collar Texan nightmare, we've got Undertaker doing that same thing. So like Bubba Ray getting in there as a babyface, getting choke slammed is like, oh, here we go. Uh, he's uh, Undertaker has no allegiance other to other than to himself becoming the WWE champion. Yeah, they need that dude who's like, I'm not going to take it from this evil regime. They've done it now. And yeah, even if it doesn't make any sense for like Devon Dudley's like, hey, I helped you, joke slam. It's like, 
Steve Austin would have done that. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Crowd cheers for it, but other, whatever. We can't be dwelling on this. Not when we have more important things to do, like Hardcore Holly showing up to a big pop because he's spending his time dunking people with chairs on Raw. His opponent tonight is Chris Jericho. Thankfully not wearing that awful shirt from last week with just a picture of his face going, ah. But the Y2J Chrome Light one isn't too amazing either. Not on a good run here with shirts. Jericho says they don't need to be dunking chairs on one another. They can sit down and drink like men. Jericho can bring some cognac for him and some Rogaine for Hardcore Holly. And the crowd, that wasn't a great joke, but crowds, I got him! Reaction made that so much better than it was. Ah, your hair's going! Like, it's funny because you're going bald. Yeah. Jericho calls Holly a goofy jackass, then runs in the ring and bonks himself on the top rope almost instantly in an attempted Irish whip. Uh, Hardcore Holly makes sure he's okay by immediately stomping him and delivering the best drop kick in all of wrestling. After that, it gets a bit sloppy and starts to die a slow, slow death. So naturally, Chris Benoit shows up, and after a distraction, Jericho ends it with a lion salt, and the production can't cut away from this match quick enough. <laughs> Oof. What did you think of this lovely mess, Tom? Uh, it was a hot mess. The, the big note that I made in this was, it wasn't lost on me that Chris Jericho, in the year of our Lord 2000, suggested sitting down for a distinguished meeting with a heel. Something that he would do to great effect 20 years later. Oh, I see. Right, that took a few seconds. As soon as he was there going, maybe we should sit down, maybe have a few drinks, I'll get some cognac. I was like, oh my God, he's calling Ladina Debonair 20 years early, but with hardcore Holly, <laughs> which would have been crap. Let's um, all take a moment. John. Oh, poor John. John. <laughs> J-A-A-W-W-W-W-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-
<laughs> you, do you smell cane? That smell you smell is cane. That's the bottom cane. Wait, where I... are you going? I have other t-shirt ideas. <laughs> I have lots of other t-shirts. Cane 16. I didn't get the biblical thing. Oh, is that what that was? I thought it was just a number. It's Kane. It's damn Kane. I like the number 60. What's wrong with 60? <laughs> it looks a bit like 19. Oh, no, me, 19! No, no, the pain, the pain. <laughs> pain, that rhymes with Kane. Write that down. <laughs> Who's he saying write that down to? <laughs> he just thinks there's someone there. <laughs> Why can't I do a Jerry Lawler bit where I perf on the women? Is it my face? Is it my deep throat? Why did you laugh when I said deep throat? <laughs> Woohoo! Puppies! Hey, Terry! Show us your breasts! Yeah. Oh, sorry, is I meant to be subtle? Yeah, I got. Yeah. That's just what Lawler's doing. <laughs> Lawler can do it, why can't I? Hey. You're so hot, I want to burn you with my eternal burning flames of the parents that Paul Bearer either had sex with or killed. Why are you frowning? Come back! This is just a popularity contest. We've got this booth for an hour. Come back! I'll give you a free t-shirt. It says, I am the cane. <laughs> Time to cane the game. We, we could put a different word in there. Look, congratulations, I'll give you this. congratulations to Kane, who has now become Test on the Cult Arlo Classic this Smackdown is... review. I wanted to be Lawler, but I'm Test. <laughs> That's just gotta be Kane. <laughs> and never mind that, the next thing is the WF Rewind brought to you by the Laredo Tobacco Company's Youth Smoking Prevention oh, Program. This, this just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? If there was oh. ever any indicator... The, the WWF at this point just took money from whoever, just had no allegiance to any flag, was just like, yep, lugs, ka-ching, RC Cola, ka-ching, stack a palpitation drink, cha-ching, what's this, the anti-tobacco, yeah, whatever, can't be bothered to read the title, cha-ching. I do remember in the WWF magazine, they had print adverts from the Lolliard Tobacco Company's Youth Smoking Prevention Program, or as we can now call it, the Latukyasup. Um, <laughs> if you you remember the Latukyasup's uh, adverts that say tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. I, I do remember them, yeah. Which is like, so it had like just pictures, like very strong images of like kids in their rooms and stuff, which would, the cigarette smoke would have burnt something they love. And the phrase, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen, which always suggested to me, so when you get older, it's fine. Like, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. If you're an adult, crack on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit odd. You are right. If you're and... an adult, smoke Marlboro. Like, that should be the next part of the advert. Tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. What's that? You're in your 30s? Here, have a pack of Cuban cigarettes. Yeah, you need to be an adult to make a horrible decision. <laughs> because, Tom, if you're dead from the horrible effects of smoking, you're not going to be able to buy Stacker 2. Exactly! And then what will WF do? <laughs> they want to get you addicted to smoking and then addicted to Stacker 2. 
No, 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 no. Off, off the smoking. Off that. This is what the off the fags. The, the, the tobacco company program. Once you taking your, saving all that money from smoking. Smoking is very bad for your health. Stacker two is tremendous for your heart. <laughs> It'll pop out like Homer's brain and go, ah, screw this. You can stay, but I'm leaving. <laughs> In fact, your heart will be so powerful it becomes sentient. Uh, start paying tax and it'll be able to buy its own cigarettes. From Stacker Two. <laughs> Joe C lands a hockey stick into Christian's balls, costing them the tag titles, and he dances them afterwards, as per the contract in Kid Rock's deal with Undertaker's theme music. I'm joking. It's a very by the way. I think this contract they've got. One of our yeah. team must was hit somebody in the nadges. Yeah, I mean Kid Rock was very mainstream successful at this point, and it. It's always things where I look back on and go, wow, those are a thing of the moment, wasn't it? Joe C and Kid Rock. But then you realise, this is how insanely popular WF was at the time. Kid Rock was huge. Kid Rock's at platinum at this point. He went platinum selling rhymes. Went platinum seven times. And you can't see that nowadays. Who, who are they going to get as a music actor to show up and do a run in it, not be a bloody, really camp, cringe thing like um, the bloggy from the Today Show? And all the other crap ones they've done here. This was Josie hit him, hit him in the dick, and they cost him the titles. It, you know, Billy Piper wasn't running into the FWA to help the dirt bike kid. <laughs> if she had, I think British wrestling would be in a far better place. Yeah, and then the twenty four seven title, she'll defend it all of the day, all of the night. <laughs> oh, could you imagine flipping? Chris Evans pinning Billy Piper in the middle of the night. <laughs> he did many times. Yeah, I was going to um, say, yeah, he did, Tom. <laughs> you don't need to imagine it. Chris Evans as hardcore. John! Oh, no, no, God, please. Billy no. Piper as hardcore champion. <laughs> Not being pinned by Chris Evans, though. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, by the way, when we, say, when we say Chris Evans, we need to say, we, when we say Chris Evans, we don't mean oh, Captain God, America. Right. <laughs> it took me years to get used to that. I still, I still struggle. When we say Chris Evans, we mean the British television and radio presenter, Chris Evans, the ginger one with the glasses. Doesn't wear glasses anymore, though. Um, we mean him. We don't mean Chris Evans, Captain America. Yeah. He can hit Billy with a toothbrush. <laughs> the Rock is backstage with Kevin Kelly. Uh, I've just put Matters, The Rock, smell Yeah, it's just formulaic rock. It's, it's great, but it's it's just missing something where it's not out in the ring with the crowd going crazy. Well, maybe um, we can ask Kevin Kelly about that next week. Oh, why's that? Because he's on Desert Island Graps. Really? Yeah, the Kevin where, Kelly. Where, where can we find that? Oh, on this here podcast feed next week. Bombshell. Boom. Yeah, but the only reason he's here is like, Tom said, are you working for any Japanese company? He went, no. He went, oh, that's all right. <laughs> Doesn't even make any sense. This YouTube buddy works. That's I'm horrible. I'm going to tell him the joke and see if he gets it. Tell him the joke. It's like <laughs> shove it in somehow and see if he gets it. <laughs> I'd like to think. I'd like to think I'll say it, and he'll laugh so hard, and he'll say, "Do you want to be best friends?" And I'll go, "Yes, Kevin Kelly. I want us to be best friends." Maybe I'll just like overly explain it, like Skinner go, "Oh, I see. No, the pro wrestling company, but also sounds like you're saying Noah, as in no. That's good. That <laughs> Johnny and the Clonosaurus." <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Good uh, standard rock bit of interview action here. Um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Rock mixing it up with Edge and Christian. 
Oh, well, I'm glad you're excited for it because he takes them on after this. Oh. Uh, the Rock, of course, annihilates both of them uh, while the crowd is molten lava, like the lava scene in the new hit film The Mummy Returns, starring The Rock, until Christian hits his trademark flying crossbow to the outside. Edge misses a spear and takes out the ref, so Edge tries to uh, a ring bell shot. Is that what I've typed that? That is awful diction, Matthew. Why have you typed that? Edge tries to hit the rock with the ring bell. That's much better. On the rock, but misses that as well. And lands it on Christian instead. Jesus, Edge is horrible. Uh, so Shane hits the flying Shane McMahon chair shot from across the ring. And that's got to be it. But it ain't it. The cock... Oh, Christ. The, the rock kicks the, out. The oh, who? No. The, the who, sorry? Oh, no. Did you, what did you... What did you the rock What did you just out. call future president of America, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? <laughs> Uh, Dwayne, The Rock kicks out like how he kicked out Brendan Fraser from The Mummy's Pyramid in the new hit film, The Mummy Returns. <laughs> Mate, WWF would be livid about the fact that we didn't do commentary for this. <laughs> they should have had us on the books yeah. at this point. The Rock recovers and makes a comeback as the camera is literally shaking from the crowd reaction to the excitement of the idea of queuing up to buy tickets to this new film. Rock bottom, people's elbow, one, two, three. Uh, yeah, the, the Rock is doing the Rock things, Reg and Christian, but the excitement with Shane McMahon teasing it and awkwardly and Edge missing everything because apparently he's an idiot. It, man, crowd ate up with a huge spoon. Again, the, if you go back and look at this on the network, if you've seen nothing else, I'm not joking when I'm saying literally shaking from the crowd just going crazy for the Rock in the ending sequence there. <laughs> they just, think, they just ate this up, didn't they? They really did. They did. Backstage, Shane McMahon blames the referee and Vince says, that's got to be Shane. Um, <laughs> that'd be a lot funny if you hadn't done it earlier. But never mind the McMahon bollocks. Here's Crash Holly. Subway presents King of the Ring 2000. Okay. I can't think of any jokes to do with uh, Subway and uh, small individuals like Crash Holly, so we'll move on. And he's taking on Albert in a qualifying match. Lola points out this is not a mismatch. Crash weighs 400 pounds and Albert only weighs 350. Thank you, Lola, for saving that. Crash shrugs off a giant swing to land an acid drop DDT on Albert. It gets two, but Crash is able to fall out for powerbomb to get a sunset flip and win with the two count? Or was it a three? They use a very interesting camera angle here. I don't know what happened, but the giant pop is not there, so presumably the crowd didn't think much of it either. Trish then shoves Crash Holly into the ring post on the outside in a bit that looked a bit better on paper than it did in reality. And then they dared to show a replay of the bad referee count. I don't know what was up with the production on this episode of SmackDown, but it was a bit below par. But it doesn't matter because Albert lands that spring neck knacker to get some heat back and everyone moves on. What do you think of the finish here, Tom? I didn't mind the finish. I thought it was it got Crash Holly over, over a big lad like Prince Albert. I was I was all right with the with the way it went down. I like Crash Holly being in the King of the Ring. I like like he's the the underdog smaller guy in there, and he's and he's already overcome a mountain of a man to get us underway. So I'm all right with it, honestly. I don't think this this wasn't the this, the nicest of matches, but I thought it was fine. I thought it did the job. Yeah, I thought the match was good. It's just the finish. A crowd loves Crash Holly at this moment, by the way. I should point out, but. One, two, two and a half, uh, ring the bell, whatever. <laughs> the crowd's like, oh. <laughs> oh, whatever. Anyway, Triple H yells at Vince McMahon and Shane for messing up stuff. 
so he's gonna fix things because he's the game Steph what <laughs> game is he he's wetrix mate now <laughs> <laughs> Steph they've not done any jokes about me this week yeah I've been getting all the jokes this week <laughs> that's gotta be okay <laughs> I'm the new kid on the block <laughs> Steph I'm such a loser that the meme created by this podcast, I'm no longer the main character of. I feel like Metal Gear Solid 2. People wanted to see Test, but they got this loser Kane instead. That's a game. I feel like the people that made Dinosaur Planet and it was going oh. all right until they decided to shoot Fox McCloud in. Good God, that's a deep cut there from Tom. I can't that, top that. That is a deep cut. Steph, I feel <laughs> like the people that made Sonic 06 in the sense that it was going all right until they wanted cross-platform with Xbox, so we had to reprogram loads of it, and it took so long we didn't have time to do anything for the other versions, so everyone thinks it's shit. Steph goes, why is X-Pac a console? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not been invented yet, has it? Oh, wait, no. well, has it? No, it hasn't. <laughs> let me check the manual for this stupid <laughs> podcast. Let me, let me check. Microsoft doing a console. What do you mean, like that Mega Drive PC they released back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember that? A Mega... PC? Oh, oh, vaguely. There was a Mega Drive PC. It could emulate Mega Drive stuff. Well, if I remember correctly, it had a cartridge slot. Right. So it was... Yeah, it was em- well, not em- it was a Mega music. Drive, but with inside a yeah. inside a cartridge. That's good because PCs were portable back then. <laughs> they were very portable, <laughs> as long as you had three friends to carry it and uh, a very <laughs> and, a, and a land crusher, land rover <laughs> to to get it from one place to another. That's right, and and a kid with one of those <laughs> one of those setups you see in films where he's cycling. And the wires connected up to the power, and he gets that. Oh, whatever. Shut up, Matthew. We get a recap of the giant king of the ring field. It's just absolutely going nowhere. Uh, Rikishi beat Shane McMahon on Raw, but then Triple H beat him up afterwards. Bull Buchanan beat Steve Blackman to really let you know that head cheese is dead, deader than dead. Wait, I think we're talking about this on the podcast. Actually, um, me on the other podcast on Coldaholic, I said head cheese. And I think Pachita was like, oh, that's just knob juice. And I went, no, head cheese is like the stuff you get from a butcher's. It's like, it's really heady meat. And I went, no, head cheese is supposed to, it's, it was supposed to, it's just, you know, innuendo. And I went, I never got that. Did you not? Head- yeah, well, because they had the head, the, the cheese heads, the actual heads of cheese, very literally. Oh, mate. No, I've never no. heard that that the, the uh, discharge be referred to as head cheese before. That sounds far too pleasant a name. I heard about it when I was in high school. Oh, no. Because uh, it was, it was, it was a, it was it told me, it must have been a, a kid at school or somebody who said that, that they'd had problems in that area and they had to have a, like, you might, if you're a bit squeamish, you might want to just skip ahead about a minute. Um, they had to get like a little device, like an umbrella, pushed into their into their lad, and then it opened slightly, and it brought all of the head cheese out. Oh my god! I think it's otherwise known as smegma. 
Yeah, that's what I've called it. Smegma's a disgusting term. Smegma, it just sounds bad. The head cheese is better. No! Because <laughs> I associate with Al Snow and Steve Blackman, and I don't want to... I don't want to be more comfortable with cottage please, cheese pouring please, out of bloody... Knob discharge! Mick Foley's mate, and the guy who's kind of like Ken Shamrock. Ah, me knob. <laughs> what, Let's on move on really quickly, Tom. discharge being discussed on the podcast. Yeah, moving swiftly on. Kurt Angle beat Bradshaw, Crash beat Albert, and on Sunday Night Heat, Al Snow will take on Val Venus, and China takes on The Godfather. Ah, it's interesting seeing them plug Sunday Night Heat for these qualifiers. It's first time we've heard that uh, bastard stepson mentioned in quite some time. It's been a while. And it has been. been Speaking of bastard uh, things, RC Edge Maximum Power Cola presents The Undertaker, No Selling Everything. RC Edge Maximum Taker Power Cola. Taker, no BS. Vroom, vroom. Kane shows up for the main event and tells the referee to leave the match against Triple H because there's now a guest referee. And Linda McMahon comes... I've come to support my husband. That's gotta be Kane. No, no, no. It's better than a robot. It's Earl freaking Hebner who has the Smackdown theme as his entrance music. Uh, big pop there. And again, the continuity from Earl Hebner being the referee that Triple H hates and the other way around, going back several months now. Uh, Kane chokes Triple H to begin and proceeds to big red machine all over him. I did miss when Kane would just beat the hell out of people. Triple H makes a comeback and torpedoes Kane at the ring steps. Kind of like how he catapulted him. In the same way the mummy returns, will catapult right to number one in the UK box office. In a cool bit, Triple H powers out the chokeslam attempt by punching Kane a ton of times. And when he feels like Kane may actually go down, not quite down on a knee, but he's staggering, he runs off the ropes right into a clothesline from Kane's bedroom. Triple H goes for a chair. Earl tries to stop him, but in the confusion, Kane chokeslam Triple H to get the win just like that. Hey, that means we've got three number one contenders. Oh no, what we've a literally... dilemma! We've literally got a plot line from the Kane Linda show we talked about last week, as we now have a situation flimsier than a Lucha Underground contract. Three number one contenders heading to King of the Ring. What are we going to do? <laughs> Not a bad main event, though. Like big, beefy boys in the main event. And Kane getting a win over Triple H. Triple H was very giving with pins at this time of his career, wasn't he? He certainly was. And I noticed, though, in the right setting yeah. because it wasn't a normal referee it wasn't under normal conditions it was with that pesky biased official Earl Hebner so Triple H is still both losing to Kane and making him look good but also keeping a bit of his luster very smart no wonder he was the cerebral assassin for so long mm, and that's all I have so. to say that, that, that is the, the episode. That is it. And this is the part of the episode where we reflect back, not in our lives, but in the episode of SmackDown, and go, Tom, what was something you remembered from this episode of SmackDown? I remembered uh, from this particular episode, I think I remember, okay, this is the random thing I remember. I remember Kane saying, Earl Hebner. Because <laughs> it was so weird. Like, Kane very rarely spoke, and then all of a sudden, he's a chatterbox, and we can't shut him up. I feel like it would have. I don't know. I don't know where Paul Bearer was at this point. I know that he'd taken some time away from the company just after WrestleMania, 
but I wasn't sure whether he was still involved with the company at this point. I'll have an answer for you for next week's show as to the whereabouts of, of Paul Bearer. But I always thought that's where Paul was great as a mouthpiece for Kane. I feel like he could have carried this better. But Kane saying, Earl Hebner, was just funny because it brings up the idea that Kane has negotiated for Earl Hebner to be a referee. And it's putting Kane in those human situations that is, is never not funny. It's never not funny. Yeah. So about you, sir, what did you re- what did you remember from this episode? Yeah, Kane suddenly going for the title. I remember that and thought, oh, I like this. Because as great as the Triple H rock thing has been, it was over. They need to do something different. But again, they can't just rush Undertaker going straight for it and hot shot and that. Something that they'll probably do with today. So having Kane come in and make it a bit messy and give it that mystique and interest, so I have to watch SmackDown every week. Very good idea. Always liked Kane. Always liked him when he was used well. I, again, remember uh, when I saw Kane do his line and thinking, oh, that's that's just not, that's not what Kane is to me, you know. He should have just pointed at the belt slowly and then pointed at himself and then nodded and the crowd would have understood it. But instead it's like, alas, poor Yorick, I knew him well. And saying, like, oh, Christ. But, I remember him going for the title and him winning and thinking, get in. I'd love to see Kane as champion. What a nice man. <laughs> but what was something that you forgot? I forgot about the belter that D'Lo Brown and Chris Benoit had. Oh, My absolutely. God, that was a good one. Just yeah. a strong match from those guys. Loved it. You know what? I may have to pick that as well. Hey, look at that. We're joined. Same match. We That's are. That's great. I like together it. like head cheese in your mate. <laughs> Great match. If you watch one match from this show, I recommend watching D'Lo Brown versus Chris Benoit. It is a, a sleeper of a match. It mm. really, really is. And also, please let us know if you do go back and watch any of these bits we talk about. Or you just put this on, shut your eyes and visualize it. <laughs> shut your eyes and masturbate. Um, if Christ. <laughs> Oh, I love it when they do crap impressions. My favourite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Steph. <laughs> oh, take a Tana. Oh. <laughs> no, more obscure, more obscure. What's the um? What's the what's the hidden word for people who get taught at the end of the podcast? Smegma. Smegma. Tweet a smegma. <laughs> oh. oh no, you know what? I don't want that. I sometimes read my Twitter when I'm eating. No, don't tweet that. God, <laughs> what a horrible idea. All right, okay. All right, okay. Uh, okay, in that hmm. case, if you read your Twitter while you're eating, right, the the secret message is Math, have a lovely dinner. Oh, you know what? That's a good that's I love that one. There you go. If you get to the end of this podcast, you have to message Math and say have a lovely dinner. I will definitely forget this and see all these people going, wait, is my webcam on? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, what have they seen? <laughs> and oh snorted then, that's exciting. And you can do that by tweeting at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. He is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Smegma. I love you, bye. <laughs> I can play Bomberman for the Smega Drive. <laughs> Smega Drive! <laughs> 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 